it's good to see you uh, this morning. For those of you who are just joining us for the first time, either online or here, welcome. My name's Steve Cunningham. I get to be the, the lead pastor here at Wellhouse. Uh, just so proud of uh, this body of believers, uh, from our staff to our shepherds and lead team to our members. I'm, I'm always encouraged. It's just so fun uh, to reach out to uh, various ones of you over the course of time. And I'll, and I'll say things like, hey, would you be willing to do a communion talk? And everybody tells me uh, initially, like, mm, let me think about it, or I'm not really sure. And then they'll get back with me, and they'll be like, I'll do it, but, uh, you know, don't expect a whole lot. And then I'm sitting back there, I'm like, geez, Louise, why do y'all pay me to do this? Like, that, that person should be up here doing this, right? It's just such a blessing. I, I love walking in on uh, Sunday mornings and seeing people who are always so willing to serve. They get here early. They stay late on Saturday nights. We have people who come and show up, and they're investing in our children and loving on them and teaching them. And so I just want to let you know how thankful I am to be a part of a group of people who don't just talk about church, but who are the church. And that's huge. Over the last couple of weeks together, uh, we've been going over the series called Immeasurably More, and I appreciate the guy singing through that scripture from Ephesians, because that's what we started with, as Paul is writing uh, to this group of uh, believers in Ephesus, he writes out a prayer. He actually says, you know, I'm going to pray for you. Here's the prayer. The prayer is that you would know how, how loving God is, how deep his love is, uh, that you would know the power of God, that God can do. Uh, unbelievable things and how generous God is. Uh, sometimes we don't necessarily feel that way about it. In fact, he says, listen, God can give you immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. That's the God that we serve. And we've been walking through that because in life, sometimes we just don't feel that way. We don't believe that uh, and so we've kind of been walking through what does that look like, and, and really we, as we've been doing that, we've been telling you along the way, we want you to know uh, the vision of Wellhouse, where we see God calling us is to believe that God is immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. And we started off this series by something that we said, listen, if we don't get this thing right, we, we will miss the whole thing. And that is this, that our biggest prayer, our greatest joy, our most significant mission should be to help others find a transforming relationship with Jesus. That's what God called his early disciples to. Remember, as they, they stood on the mountain, some of them doubted, some of them believed, they all worshiped together. And then he said, go and make disciples. That was their mission. That's still our mission today. And that's, that's what we count as success as we bring other people into a transforming relationship with God. And so we ask you to do this several weeks ago. We ask you to set a timer on your phone for Monday mornings and we ask that you would pray over three specific things. And the reason why we ask you to set a timer on your phone is because we know life gets busy. You're busy. There's never a time I'm going to call you up on a week and you're like, you know, I haven't done anything today. I'm not doing anything tomorrow. Tomorrow, next week, wide open, right? That just doesn't happen. We know you're busy. And so that's why we said, listen, put a timer on your phone. That will help remind you to pray for three specific things. Remember those three specific things. The first one is this, that God would give you a heart. He would give you a heart for those who don't yet know him. 
that God would make that just a part of who you are, that you would say, man, I have a heart for people who don't yet have a transforming relationship with God. Number two, that God would give you the courage to share your story. It's one of the scariest things, I'm telling you, that you can do is to share the way that God transformed you. Because I don't know about you, but I know my past. Heck, I know me, right? I mean, God's still working on pieces of me. Is he still working on pieces of you? right? There's still rough parts of me. There's still parts that God is ironing out. And so a part of my story is not just sharing stuff from my past, but sharing stuff in the present that God is continually working on in my life. So that takes courage. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody wants to do that. So we're praying that God would give us courage. And then third, that God would open our eyes to the person that God is putting in our path. I believe that God puts people in our path and that you're going to come in contact with those. We read that all the time through scripture, that God would open our eyes to those people he's putting in our path, that we would have the courage to talk to them. Because what we learned later on is that uh, through Barna research, Barna does a lot of research on, on Christians and churches and those kind of things, is that 2% of people, two, or 2% of Christians, I should say, 2% of Christians are comfortable talking about their faith with other people who are not Christians, 2%. So what I challenge you is this, do different. <laughs> don't, don't be like the norm. Don't fall into the pattern of the majority. Be different than that. And it takes a lot of courage to do that. And we dreamed for a little bit and we looked at our community. We recognized that 42% of our community has no religious affiliation. They have no ties to, to any kind of belief system. And we said, what would it look like? We, we recognize that in our community, poverty is high. There's a lot of issues with kids and families and, and there's a lot of things, uh, uh, issues with crime. And so how, we, we just said, all right, what would it look like to change that? And we recognize that really, truly, the only way to change a life is through Jesus. That's it. That's what we got. And here's the cool thing. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. And so we said, listen, what would it look like to change that percent? We turned it into numbers. 42% of, of our uh, uh, population here, our community, it looks like 17,693 people. Statistics tell us that about uh, 23, 25% of those are actually open to a conversation with you about your faith. So what would it look like for us to say, okay, if that's true, then I'm going to start sharing my faith with them. That number roughly comes up to almost 5,000, which is interesting because the other week we talked about this number of 5,000, right? That Jesus feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish from a little boy. And what would it look like for us to change the landscape of our community? We talked about this last week as we look to the future of Wellhouse and what God is calling us to do in this community. How does that, that's all great things to talk about, but what does that look like? And we said, listen, if we really truly want to change the spiritual landscape, if we want this, this community to look different in 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now, when you and I are no longer here, and some of you are like, I'm sticking around longer than that, bro. I don't know about you. I'm saying when you and I are long gone, what does it look like to change the landscape of this community? And we said, if we truly want to change it, 
And the best place to start is with children. We looked at some statistics last week. I think it's TikTok. It has $9.9 billion of revenue of advertising for children ages 10 to 19. And we asked ourselves the question, why? That's a lot of money for kids that don't have jobs. That's a lot of money for kids that can't go out and buy something. Why do they invest so much? It's because they see value. And so my question for you is this. Do you? Do you see value? Because what they know is if I put my value there, eventually I'm going to change the dynamic. I'm going to change the landscape. And so my question for you is this. Are we? Are we as sold out as our culture is in changing the landscape of our community? And I believe that we are. And so we asked you to think about the future of Wellhouse in three ways. The first one is this, that the upcoming generation isn't going to be valuable. They are valuable. They have value right now. And we have to find that. Hey, it didn't spill. You're good. I heard the lid on that. It's all good. <laughs> Number two is this, that the upcoming generation needs us to invest time and training and resources into them. That they need you, that the way that they spell love is T-I-M-E. And so the question is, what are you going to do with that? The responsibility is now back on you. And we talked about this uh, last week that, that we as a leadership has decided to step out on faith we believe it's so important to breathe life into the next generation that we're hiring a next-generation pastor, a next-gen pastor, that we want to help us breathe life into our next generation. We're doing that. We're moving forward in that, and we hope that you'll join us in that. But also, we want to let you know that coming up soon, you're going to hear more about this, is a program we're calling One to One. One-to-one -one is an opportunity for you specifically to get in, into the life of one of our students here, that you can pray for them, that you encourage them, that you can mentor them. You're going to hear more about that, but we're really, really excited about that. And three, this, that we create space for the things that matter most to us. And that's true of you. In your life, you'll create space for the things that matter most to you. If you want to do something, you're going to create the time, the space, the energy, the finances to do it. That's what we want to do with our children here. That's what we want to do with our youth here is to create the space because they matter to us. And so we challenge you last week with this, to find a way to begin investing in the lives of the next generation here at Wellhouse. Whatever it is, however you serve, how, whatever it is that you do, whatever you're passionate about, how are you going to plug in? How are you going to serve? How are you going to interact with the next generation and impact their life and their relationship with God? And I love that because we have so many different ways of doing that. We have a lot of different ways of doing that. And in fact, uh, Chris mentioned this uh, just a little bit ago that, that last Saturday we had a day for good. Man, it was so powerful. It was so good to see so many people. In fact, we had 107 volunteers come out uh, to serve from all, not just Wellhouse, but all over the community. We had 13 uh, sponsorships from the community that said, we support what you're doing. We want to be a part of it. We got to do some amazing things, and we want to show you a clip of some of the things that we got to do uh, through A Day for Good.
If that don't wet your whistle, I don't know what will. I mean, that's a Hoosier saying. I'm sorry, I'm in Tennessee. That would be translated as, was that exciting? Um, there you go. I forgot where I was for just a second. I'm sorry. You can take the boy out of Hoosier land, but you can't take the Hoosier land out of the boy. So uh, that was beautiful, wasn't it? And I tell you a story that happened after that. Last, this past Monday, I was contacted by two different people who heard about a day for good, sponsors in the area, or their business in the area. And they said, you know, we need more of that in our community. And we don't know what it cost to, to do that, but we guess it was probably, there was probably some expenses. I said, yeah, there were. Uh, but Wellhouse, we, we believe so much in our community that we're willing, you know, whatever we had left over, and we had some money, you know, we had some, it was, there were some funds. <laughs> and they said, listen, we believe so strong that we want to give. And then came $1,500 more to cover because they believe in what you're doing. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And I say all that to pump myself up. <laughs> for this, because the next little bit I'm actually a little bit afraid of. It's the moment that a lot of uh, uh, preachers kind of dread. <laughs> I'm just warning you right now. It's the moment that I dread if you're new, if you're just visiting. You're like, see, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I knew that. It's too good to be true. But here's the thing. If there are people who are willing in our community to give to that, and my question is, are you? See, uh, we don't like to talk a lot about finances. It's uncomfortable. And in fact, in the almost two years now that I've been here, I've talked about giving once. I don't like to do it. It feels uncomfortable. People don't like to talk about money. They certainly don't like the preacher to talk about money. They don't like the church to talk about money. And I get it. I totally get it. But here's the thing, the Bible talks about prayer 500 times, about the same amount of times the Bible talks about faith, but I don't know if you know this or not, the Bible talks about money about 2,000 times. 25% of what Jesus is recorded teaching about has something to do with money and generosity. About 1 in 10 New Testament verses talk about finances and giving and money. And so I feel the need 
to remind us as we're looking at the vision of Wellhouse and where we're going to not leave out this, uh, this piece of being wildly generous. Because here's the thing, if we're truly going to change the landscape of our community, then it takes a people who don't just give, but whose DNA is wildly generous. There's a difference. There's a drastic difference, in fact. And it's a difference that I think is pointed out as Paul writes to this church in Corinth. If you have your Bible, open up to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. We're going to read a section of scripture from there. And, and, and I, I, the reason why I want to point it out, because I think you're going to see a difference between people who give and people who are wildly generous. It's just in their DNA. This is what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1, says this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God had given the Macedonian churches. Now, the Macedonian churches, if you're not really familiar with this, uh, it's kind of the, the, the northern part of Greece. That's where this area is. And it makes up churches uh, like, like Philippi, the letter to the Philippians, uh, the church in Thessalonica, the, the, the letters are written to the Thessalonians, we get that, the church of Berea. They're all, they're all right there uh, considered in this Macedonian churches. So this is who Paul is talking about here. He's talking about people that they know. He's talking about people that has a relationship with. He's talking about people that he's visited, he's written to. He knows them well. And he says, I want you to know about the grace that God has given these churches. Check this out, verse 2. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Stop right there. Let me tell you what's happening to the churches in Macedonia. I don't know if you know uh, um, a whole lot of uh, history, but, but what had happened was there was a heavy taxation that was happening in that particular part of the country uh, because of some war, because of Roman oppression. And this, these are new churches. They're just starting up. So they're kind of figuring out their way. They're extremely poor. They're being infiltrated by people who are trying to confuse the faith, trying to change the faith, trying to get them off of their way. And so they're facing hardships of many kind. And one of the kinds is their extreme poverty. They have nothing. And he says, okay, here's the equation. The equation is a very severe trial. There's a lot of political turmoil. There, there's, a, there's a lot of being held under uh, captivity or oppression. They somehow still have joy, but oh yeah, by the way, don't forget, they're in extreme poverty. Not just they're poor, not just they feel broke. Paul wants to paint the picture clear. They're, they're in extreme poverty. So what does this equation lead up to? If you're like, okay, math problem. Severe trial plus joy plus extreme poverty equals, well, let me ask you, what does it equal for you? When you go through like extreme trials, and financial hardships, what does it equal to you? I don't know about you, but I know about me. Sometimes it equals bitterness. 
Sometimes it it equals frustration. Sometimes it equals doubt. Sometimes it equals tension. Sometimes it equals broken relationships. Paul says, let me show you the math equation here for the churches in Macedonia. In the midst of severe trial and their overflowing joy and extreme poverty, they, it welled up, it equated to rich generosity. Rich generosity. See, giving wasn't something they did. Being richly generous was who they were. And that was about to change the world. See, I believe that the reason, part of the reason why you and I are here today was because of the Macedonian church. Because they begin to help fund other things that were happening. You see, it takes money to have scribes, right? Try, they can't walk over to the Xerox machine, right? And print copies of a text that they can pass out. They have to do that off of the generosity of other people who are willing to give. And here's a group of people that despite everything that could prevent them to do something, they were like, no, 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 no. We need you to know that our DNA, no matter what happens around us, no matter what's going on in our life, no matter what kind of persecution or how much is in my pocket, my DNA is to be wildly generous. And because of that, church, I think we get to be here today, hearing and reading these very scriptures, getting to see what their faithfulness and generosity did. And I want to ask you a question, and I don't mean to step on your toes a lot, but I thought about this a lot for me the last couple of weeks. See, if that's the equation for being generous for them, then I had to ask myself this question. What's the right set of circumstances in which, Steve, you would be richly generous (laughs) Like if, if there was a math equation, like, okay, the way that Steve is, is wildly generous is that, you know, he, he has to be making a certain amount of money and feeling, you know, confident in that and things are going his way. Oh, and he has to, he has to align fully with, you know, what's happening. He has to have full buy-in and he has to, you know, he has to fully trust that pastor. I don't know if you'd ever trust that pastor. You know, it's like, what are the right set of circumstances in which you would be richly generous? What would it look like for you? Because the church in Macedonia had an extreme set of situation and circumstances, and yet it equated to being richly generous because their DNA was set to that. Verse 3, for I testify, testify, listen to this, that they gave as much as they were able. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we, we do this at home about once or twice a year. <clears throat> we'll sit down and, and do a budget together. How many of you have ever sat down with a spouse and done a budget? How many of you after that thought, I need a drink, right? I mean, like, listen, we're just being real up here, okay? Uh, that could be hard. That could be difficult, right? It's not easy to do that. Because you look at things, you're like, whew. So periodically, we will look at 
what we're able to give. Paul says they, they looked at it, they were honest about it, and then even beyond their ability. They looked at what they were able to do, and then they said, all right, and I'm going to do even more. And really, I'm not sure if Paul is saying they did more, they gave of what they didn't have. I, I don't know if he's saying that. Or I, I think maybe even more in line with this is that they put out what they were able to do, and God immeasurably more blessed it. Because that's what God does when we put our faith in him. He says this, entirely on their own, meaning nobody manipulated them into it, nobody guilted them into it. And today, I just want you to know, like, if you're a visitor with us, this isn't for you. You can join us on this journey, and that's great, but I in no way want you to walk away thinking, man, that, that guy was like totally putting the guilt trip on. That's not what this is about. If you don't want to give here, if you don't support this, in fact, if you're a partner here and you don't support that mission, I want you to find a mission you do support. Because here's what I believe is that the, the church is the hope and life in the world today. So if, if, this, if this not here, then I want you to find it. But if it's here, I want you to support it. Do you hear me, church? You understand why I was fearful. Entirely on their own. Check out verse 4. <clears throat> verse 4 wrecked me. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. That's not my heart always. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> when it's hard, I'm out. When it's difficult, I'm out. When, when, when trials happen to me, I'm out. You can count me out. When it's too hard, I'm out. When things are crashing in around me, I'm out. And Paul says, listen, they were under so much stuff. And, and I'm guessing that because he says they pleaded with us, there was a time where Paul and some other people were like, listen, you got enough problems of your own, man. Just worry about you for a second. You got, we, listen, we understand the situation that you're in. And they're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is who we are. And we can't sit by idly. So we're pleading with you to let us participate in this. How amazing is that? And Paul finishes that thought up by saying this. <clears throat> they exceeded our expectations. What was your expectation, Paul? Maybe his expectations were they would give. They would be people who are givers. And he says, no, no, no. I need you to know what they did. <clears throat> they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. Listen, that's primary. 
See, giving shouldn't be generated by feelings of guilt from the church or guilt from the pastor or, or just seeing like, all right, well, the church needs another 10 bucks or whatever. It, that, like, that shouldn't be it. God lays it on your heart. And he says, you know, the way that the Macedonian churches did it is they sought first what God wanted them to do and what better way to live your life than that. And then he said, and then by the will of God also to us. God first, us second. And that's what we want to encourage you to do. I have some folks, some of our shepherds out they're going to pass around cards. And I know this, maybe for some of you, this is like old school or some of this, some of you are like, what are we doing here? But I want to explain what we're doing. We're passing out something called a commitment card. Um, and a commitment card, what we're asking, if you're a partner here, if you're not a partner here, please, again, don't, you don't even have to bother with it. But we're passing these out. And I want to tell you why. Number one, we're stepping out in faith. We're going to be bringing in uh, a next-gen pastor full-time to work with our kids because we want to invest in them, because we believe that changing the landscape of our community means that we have to change children, that we have to reach out and invest in children. We want to do that. Well, that takes money. Last week we told you I think it's like $960 a week is what that would look like. It's what it boils down to. That's one reason why we're doing this. The second is this, that, that as we move forward with the Solomon group, and we've talked about this, we've been around for several weeks, several months now, we've been talking about the Solomon group, and the Solomon group is a, a church um, extension fund. I was about to look at you, Chris Adams, because the word was not right there. Uh, it's a church extension fund. They lend money to churches to help help them accomplish the mission, and and a part of what the Solomon Group does is they go back in time. They go back in time. They track what you've given. Well, I don't know about you, but COVID was tough, right? And COVID was tough for a lot of churches, including Wellhouse. If you were around then, you know. And so one of the ways that we can overcome some of the things that happened in the past is to help them see what we can do in the future. And one of the ways that we can do that is by asking you to think about the future with us. And if you support our mission, then what we would ask for you to do is to talk with your family about this together. Seek first God and see what he lays on your heart. We have some options on there. You can put your name on there. Listen, if you're a teenager, we sat down with uh, our two teens who just got a job uh, in the last uh, month or two. And we sat down and we said, listen, we want you to know that one of the first things, one of the best things you can do is be givers to God. Just, just, just put it in practice now. That's wonderful. So if, you, if you're a young person, you have a job, you want to be a giver, that's great. It's a great time to start and allow that to be a part of your DNA. So we ask that, that you look at that, that, that we want to communicate as a church where we're going together. And the last thing is this, that as a church, as a leadership, see, one of the things, we're not just asking you to give, what we want you to do is become more like Christ. That's paramount. And so we want you to encourage, to encourage you to see how God is shaping you in your generosity. 
see if our community looks at stuff like what we just did and says, man, wow. <laughs> I wasn't a part of it. I, I didn't show up. I didn't help paint. But I see what you're doing, and I'm in full support, and I'm given to it. Then my question is, will you? Are we the kind of people who are wildly generous? See, here's what I believe is a part of our core DNA. Listen, this is a part of the vision of Wellhouse. Is that, vi- uh, that Wellhouse will lead the way in our community on what it looks like to be wildly generous like the churches in Macedonia. When I wrote that, I was like, and the church goes wild. But <laughs> clearly... <laughs> I may have said it wrong, you know, like, <laughs> it's weird what you think when you're a preacher, you know, <laughs> or you're Steve, I don't know, uh, probably both of those things are true. See, I think things like a day for good are great, and I want to continue them, but that's just one day, and I think God calls us to be bigger than a day. I think he calls us to a lifestyle that's uncomfortable. It's hard. It's difficult. That requires us to make sacrifices for things that we know truly matter in this life. That's what I'm calling you to. And so just for a second, again, this is the kind of sermon I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I, I dreaded it all week. I prayed about it a lot. I don't like giving it. <laughs> I don't want to talk to two groups of people today. The first ones of you are those of you who are already, you've already, you, you're already given. Like you've already committed, you're in. And so I want you to look at the example of the Macedonian churches and kind of re-go back over that with your family, with God and say, all right, can we do more? Is there an opportunity for us over the next 12 months to do more? What would God do with that if we could? Pray about that. Think about that. Write it on the card. And here's what's going to happen. Today, Today, if you want to do this, uh, you can fill it out. If you already know, you already been, like, maybe God put it on your heart already. You've been thinking about it. You can drop it off in the gift box. And we're not going to post these for everybody to see. It's our lead team's going to look at them and that's where it, don't give it to me. I don't want it. I want you to think about is God calling you to more? Two. Those of you who aren't giving yet, and you may have great reason. I mean, it may be like you feel like the Macedonian churches. You're like, listen, I relate to their story of severe trial and extreme poverty. You've heard like preachers talk about 10%. You know, that's where it starts. And listen, that's that's great. But could I encourage you to do something else? Start somewhere. Just start somewhere. And maybe it's like $5 a week or $6 a week or 2% or whatever it is. And trust God with it. Start somewhere and commit to it because I believe in your commitment. Christ will be committed to growing you over this time. 
it will change you into a person who doesn't doesn't just give but is truly wildly generous. See, we're on a mission and it is it is not ours. It doesn't belong to us. It did not originate with us. But yet we are on it and we are called to it. We are called to change the world for Christ. Amen. And let me tell you something. It's big. And it's daunting. And it's hard. But church, I would not stand up in front of you today if I did not believe that we can change the spiritual landscape of our community. But it will require sacrifice on many levels. And it may be bigger than you think you can give, and let me assure you, it is. But it starts with what you're able. So what are you going to do? Last week we talked about this story, you remember last week, it was the, the story of the, the little boy, right? Five loaves and two fish, and there's like 15,000. The Bible says there's 5,000, but there's probably, you know, men and or, uh, children and women there as well. So there's probably like 15,000 people. And he, this little boy has five loaves and two fish, and he brings them, and it's like, this is laughable. I mean, this is a drop in the bucket. What can be done? This week I got to attend a conference. I heard Dallas Jenkins say something that, like, was sitting there. <laughs> like, I, Kyle Fleischman was right beside me. I remember saying, whoa. And I leaned over to him. At that time I was like, this is coming up. <laughs> and he said this, your job is not to feed the 5,000. Your job is to provide the fish and loaves. Your job isn't to feed the 5,000. You don't have to be overwhelmed with what God is going to do. You hear numbers like 42% or how much ever, you know, like $960 more a week. That's crazy. Don't be worried about the 5,000. God's got that covered. You just give your bread and fish. So church, are you on this journey with us? Two weeks from today, we're going to have Commitment Sunday. You can turn in your card today or you can turn it in next week in the give box. But in, in two weeks from today, we're going to have Commitment Sunday. And we encourage you to, to have something that, that you're ready to commit to, to God, to, to what he's doing through Wellhouse by then. And we ask that you would pray about it with your family. It's so important to commit first to God and then to what he's doing through us. Would you stand with me today? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. To him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with tremendous joy, may you be swept away in God's love for you and transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you 
thanks be to the only God, our Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging, who is matchless and merciful, who is supreme and sufficient, who is before all things and through all things and in all things, both now and forever. Amen. Would you keep worshiping with us today?